Hi, and welcome to Union Podcast. My name is Jamie Wolfer, and I'm a wedding planner who absolutely loves to share how I got started and scale my business to above six figures in this amazing and occasionally extremely competitive industry. In this podcast, I share the tech, tactics, mindset, and mistakes that got me to where I am today. No gatekeeping, no cloak and dagger, just full disclosure and a little humor along the way. So whether you're a planner or a solopreneur, my goal is for you to be a better business person than I ever could have been and support you on this journey. Let's dive into this week's episode. Today's episode is one of my favorite things in the entire world, and that is a live Q&A from one of our union All right, wedding day logistics. The venue checklist and things to ask before booking was super helpful. Oh, good. As a coordinator slash planner, what's your game plan when working at a venue you've never worked at before? Making sure you know how to get around and where to go can be a bit stressful at new places. Totally agree. In the beginning, I used to work in a venue visit as a part of my long-term planning. Most of that was for me. Like I was like, I'm I'm gonna work that in so I know what I'm doing. I know where to park. Parking anxiety needs to be talked about more. Because what when you show up at a place and you're like, I don't know where to park. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't, I, and it's like half a mile away and you show up five minutes late because I'm sweating. Because again, you thought stilettos were a good idea. I think the theme of tonight's call is stilettos are never a good idea. Okay. Because you show up and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And it's like their wedding day. So we incorporated a site visit earlier on. I got to the point where I felt like they were less necessary. And I just got better at asking the right questions. You might feel like, hey, they're always going to be necessary. Or, hey, I always want to show up and do a venue walkthrough. I always want to see what the space looks like before the actual wedding day or before the actual rehearsal. That is fantastic. And I support that. You got to do what feels best, right? And so you can support your clients the best, just make sure that you are getting compensated fairly for that venture. So if it's too far away, you got to be practical. It sounds shiny on paper, but if it's four hours away, you will not be doing a venue walkthrough. If you are, you're going to be charging for an overnight stay at a hotel. You should be. I don't want to hear this. No, I can make it back. Mm -mm. Boundaries, baby. Boundaries. So make sure that you're working that into your compensation package, or I will visit if it's within X amount of miles. It firms up what that boundary looks like. So, and then make sure that's worked into like what your overall hourly rate is. If you can anticipate at maximum, I could need to travel an hour and a half there and back for some of these site visits. Do I want to keep doing that? If so, do I feel like I'm being compensated fairly for it? Um, and it doesn't have to be outside of your package. It can be something you include. This can be an internal back-end conversation where you're like, you're not saying like, yeah, only if you pay me will I go. You don't have to say that. But make sure that you feel like it's it's evening out for you in the end. I have a couple that wants to do a sunset photo session that will take them away from their wedding for almost two hours. Is that normal? No. It seems like a long time to be away. How can we get everyone at the reception excited about the return after dinner? Oh my gosh. I hate everything about what I just read. That makes me anxious and a little nauseous. And no, no. Okay. Just indulge me for a sec. I would do everything in my power to make that not happen. Everything in my power. They are the deciding factors at the end of the day. I would walk them through why this is a bad idea. With grace, with kindness, they, their hearts are set on this. They're not even thinking. They don't know what weddings feel like or look like from this standpoint, right? They're not trying to be egotistical or full of themselves. They're not thinking about it. But that is an actual nightmare. An actual nightmare. Okay. So that's where I would not necessarily do some sugarcoating. I would probably say, while in theory, that sounds like fun and like the guests will be entertained in practice, that will put us in a position where you are only getting sunset photos. Here's, here's what you will sacrifice in order to get that goal achieved. Bring them back down to reality. You will sacrifice wedding party photos. You will sacrifice family photos because a two hour co uh, cocktail hour is very long. It's also very expensive. You will need to be feeding people 
making sure there's, you know, beverages being passed around for the entirety of that two hours. So if people are not entertained, if their basic needs are not met, they will leave. So if at a certain point, it's an hour and a half, we're almost two hours into cocktail hour, because that's when I would try to squish this in there. People will go, okay, the appetizers run out. I guess we'll just keep drinking, right? Like uh, the DJ can only keep people entertained for so long with vitamin string quartet. Let them know what they will be sacrificing in order to achieve this specific result that they want to achieve and just work them away from it. And if they still are pretty adamant about it, I would probably go as far to say, okay, I do not recommend this. I think that we will lose guests. I think that the whole, the whole, not the whole point, but I think that a huge focus of your event when you're inviting this many people and ordering that much food is so they stick around to enjoy it. And I think if you have it be two hours, we will lose guests and they will go home. Uh, the, the, the energy that you build up at an event will, will be like a deflated balloon. Um, so you'll need to be prepared for what that looks like. If the sunset photos are that important to you, that you're willing to maybe lose a third of your guests, maybe more then that is a decision that you are being equipped to make just as long as I've said my piece on it. I would also offer up a different solution. Hey, you might want to consider getting dressed up again and doing sunset photos on another day. Um, so then you still get the photos that you want, but you don't lose out on your guests. Because I'm a huge fan of like, if you're going to spend all this money on these people being here, actually make sure they stay. That is not normal. Um, the, the question was, is that normal? So I'm, I'm responding to that specifically. I'm not just being brash. No, that is not normal. <laughs> yeah, I'd make it stop. Whatever you got to do, make it stop. <laughs> Any tips on how to get out of that rut feeling? Hubs and I are moving at some point, but don't know where. It depends on his job offers. And I'm trying to focus on building my business. But that's tough with not knowing when or where we are moving. I cannot imagine feeling stuck and like I'm just waiting just had an expo and it went well got lots of raffle signups but no solid leads yet staying hopeful but also exhausted in all senses of that word what more can or should I do okay there is no wrong answer for this specifically you can choose to continue trying to book clients right and padding your client list but again you're not quite sure how far you're going to go you're not quite sure what all of this is going to look like you can start refining who you are currently working with because you're right, it is a rut and you feel like you can't move forward. Is there a time frame on when this move might happen? Like six months, a year, nothing, nothing. You're just like, it could be five years. It could be never, we could never move. So yeah, that feels like you are on the chopping block and just waiting for the guillotine to drop, most likely May. Okay, that's a good time frame. How can you refine your business processes right now? Um, how can you, you know, is there anyone that you can book some time with to review your contract? Is there anything that you've been putting off working on your website? Are there any uh, social media things that you've been not filming or not putting structure to? Are there albums that you should be following up and trying to get from photographers? Can you work on any of that stuff on your business instead of working really hard on just focusing on getting new clients? Because right now, I mean, if you're looking at like a four month time frame, I'm, I'm, I'm very well aware of when May is. That's what I'm doing. So you're just like, it feels like forever, but also no time at all. Um, focus on working on your business instead of funneling people in. If you feel like you would like to try to convert these clients and you're ready to accept the travel fees that could come back, that's something you could definitely do. Um, that's definitely feasible. You'll probably earn less money during that season, but at least you get the experience. So what part feels more important? Just book the people, get the experience, get the clients. And if that means that you earn less for a season, because you're paying for travel fees, you earn less for that season, but at least you get the experience. But if you have some things that like you've been backburnering that are more business related, give yourself tiny wins. 
find something and be like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my clients. I don't know what I'm like. You might even be hearing all this and be like, Jamie, I don't know. <laughs> well, okay. Can we come up with a social media strategy? Okay. Can you come up with, um, you know, a vendor group that you put together where like you just go out and grab coffee all together? Can you make forward motion in any capacity where you're like, Hey, you're a photographer. I'm a planner. You want to get coffee? Cause I really like your work. Cause that is still progress. Like I do think that you do need to network. And you might not ever work with this person again, but hey, you had a conversation and you learned something from it. Very likely either like, hey, I like that or I'm never going to do that or I want to work with this person. Find a way to, to win at something. And if that means that you finally email that vendor that like you needed an album from and then you schedule out your social media posts for the next month, could you imagine if you sat down for like two hours and just plugged them all in and tagged all the people and got all your systems ready to go? Oftentimes people use that as a procrastination technique instead of going out there and getting new clients. But you're in a unique position where you're like, I can't get new clients because I don't know where to live. So instead, use those. So you just feel like you're getting those wins. Um, I just sat down and worked on social media for probably an embarrassingly long amount of time. What I ran into is, wait, the videos are over here. The photos are over here. The tags are down here. How this, okay. So I had to like put together a system those are things that once you have your SOPs, your standard operating procedures in place, it'll be so easy month over month to start doing that. Since you can't make progress with booking new clients, or you could, but you might just be entering into a season where you earn less, then can you make any progress anywhere else? Should you be going over your contract? Should you be... Now, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But there are things that you can batch work ahead of time. And that's where that social media stuff, I think, will feel like a really big win or getting new albums pulling together all the tags, those kinds of things where you're like, oh, who's the DJ? Okay, I'm going to go find what their Instagram handle is and I'm going to plug it in here. And I'm going to go find who the florist is and plug it in here. Get all that busy work done. And then you have templates set up for next time. So that could be ideally a really nice win. Um, and if you have, if you have follow-up stuff, drop it in the chat because I would love to dive into that a little bit more. Travel fees get interesting. Now, I've had people get very nitpicky about like, well, what if it's, 61 miles. And I'm like, if it's 61, basically my concern is driving over an hour and a half at the end of your event that ends at midnight. I don't want to get home at two in the morning. That's my big concern. Or driving two hours there for the rehearsal and then two hours back and then two hours again the next day at that point. So it's for me, it's my level of practicality. I'm not, I don't want to drive that late. If you're ending at 10 and it's two hour drive, you get home at midnight and that's okay with you. Great. Um, but here's one that I actually may or may not have taken inspiration from another vendor. And I am now pretty firm on saying I prefer to be at an Airbnb. Rebecca can attest to this. She has traveled with me for events on multiple occasions. An Airbnb cost-wise is very similar to getting a hotel. We have separate rooms. And if you're traveling with an assistant and you're like, hi, you don't know me very well, but you're about to because we're sleeping next to each other in uh, ideally separate beds. But uh and I also book it myself. Don't let them book it for me. So we'll get people who are like, well, I work for blah, blah, blah. And I could get you discounts. And I'm like, that's great. I still pick it. Or the back and forth of what if we schedule your flight for you? I've had people do this because they want to get the points. Like, wow, we, we should totally sit and unpack this. And I'd be like, no, I, I the back and forth that we would have to require, you think it looks like a great travel time, right? Because um, I had someone when uh, this event ended up getting canceled, one of the few that we had get canceled She's like, oh, I'll just book you a flight out of Dallas. And I'm like, Dallas is like two hours away. So if you book me at a 7 a.m. flight, I have to get there at five, meaning I'm leaving at three. So you, I, I can't sit here and explain all of my life details to you. I'm going to book my own flight. Respectfully, 
it's not about your points. <laughs> like then my husband's driving me or I'm parking a car at the airport, too many logistics, too much. Doesn't really matter. I get that you want to have points, but I, I need to be able to pick my own travel times. And because there are times where I'll go places and I'm like, I'll stay an extra day and pay for it myself, or I'll get there a day early and cover it myself. Very rarely. Uh, we did that for Hawaii where I was like, yeah, we basically did their event for the cost of travel, which is a very sneaky way of getting some travel events in there where you don't actually make any money off of it, but they cover your hotel um, or your Airbnb and your flights and your car. And then you don't charge them anything and you get a vacation out of it. So hopefully that is a helpful enough list to go off of because you really have to get in that minutia of like, I will need a car. I will need gas. I will need food. Incorporate all of those in there. I talk a really big game when it comes to affiliates because I love them so very much. And if you guys have been around listening to the podcast for long enough, you know that they're a strategic few that we continue to partner with because it, one, let's be honest, makes us look good when we can bring good companies in front of our clients. And two, we know that they're committed to quality and excellent customer service. So if you are looking to dip your toes into the whole affiliate marketing thing, I cannot recommend Generation Tux's partnership program enough. Not only do they provide a discount for your clients, which looks awesome for you, ends up saving your clients some coin, but you also get a referral payout in the end. Let's make sure you're partnering with an excellent company that provides quality goods and excellent customer service. Don't leave money on the table, support your clients, get them looking good. Go over to the unionpodcast.com forward slash tux, that's T-U-X, and get started on their partnership program today. We interrupt this podcast because there is something extremely special that I want to share with you guys. Uh, I don't know about you, but for the last who knows how many years, I have been using a Frankenstein Googled copied and pasted contract. And while that is extremely embarrassing to admit to all of our listeners, I know that there are people out there who feel the same as I do. And there were a couple things that kept me from actually getting an attorney drafted contract. Actually, no, there was one thing. It was so expensive and it seemed so out of reach. That's when I learned about Legally Set. You see, Coonbee with Legally Set has created industry-specific contracts for people like you and me working in the wedding industry. They're easy to customize. They're drafted by an actual attorney and not Googled. Can you imagine that? And last but not least, they are so extremely affordable. So if you were like me and maybe using a less than appropriate and or legal contract, it's time to step up your game. You have no more excuses. Head on over to the unionpodcast.com slash legally set to check them out. Use code union for 20% off your contracts. How can we set our business apart from other local planners that have been around for a while and have a lot of social credit? Ooh, okay. I think that there is a butt for every seat. And I think, Kristen, there will be people that want to work with you specifically because of who you are, right? Like the same reason that there are other people who have wedding masterminds, planners, certification courses, but you picked mine. My guess is you watched enough of my videos that you're like, she seems legit, right? I just, I'm just trying to show up and be me. Hopefully that was effective. I feel like it has been. So as far as setting yourself apart, the best way and most organic way that you can do that is just be yourself. And do I sound like a cheesy cat poster? Yes. But then when people start working with you, they don't feel duped. They don't feel misled. They're like, this is the same person online that it is in person. You will not be able to stand out against people that have a higher social media following. If you were operating off of the mindset that like, it's going to be social media that really cinches this for me. 
you will not be able to set yourself apart from people who have been doing this for 10 years by those traditional means. But what you can do is you can say what I lack in, you know, overall experience, I make up for an enthusiasm and affordability. Like that's, if you want someone who's been doing this for 10 years, of course, I'm not going to be the right person for you, but I can be authentically myself and say, but I will kill it. And I'm hungry. We hungry, you know, like I, I will, I will do the dang thing. So that's what will set you apart is you being inherently and genuinely and energetically yourself. Because you can't replicate 10 years of business in an instant. You can't gain a high social media following in an instant unless you play the game and you jump on the trends and you, you do all that, which is possible. And you're totally allowed to do that. I'm not poo-pooing on that. I'm not going to bite the hand that fed me. I, like I clearly got my start because of social media, but that also took years. Well, not start, but you know what I mean. So I would say change the metric of setting yourself apart. And it's a lot more awkward. And it's a lot more uncomfortable to set yourself apart by being you. It's like, oh, what? really? There's not like a, a font that I could do, like, or a brand or a logo or something that I could like, you know, if it's, if it's hot pink, like it, it feels more vulnerable, right? But there is a reason that people will specifically want to work with you. And it's not because of your time in the field. And it's not because of your social media following. But at the end of the day, if you can't sell to 20 people, you can't sell to 200 people, you can't sell to 20,000 people. Focus on your selling techniques and establishing happy and satisfied clients, getting good reviews and repeating the cycle all over again. So sell to the people that are directly in front of you and go from there, which I don't know if that actually answers your question effectively. If there are more follow-up things, please feel free to, <laughs> to ask more about that. I was master plan bride to union gal now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, isn't that fantastic? I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Um, when do you suggest becoming a full-time planner if you are new to the industry, but have already booked weddings and currently doing it part-time with a full-time job? It's going to be a while. Like I will totally level with you. I think I, my, one of my first most successful years, it was like 20 events. And I think like, I think I made 30 grand that year, but I also spent a bunch of money for on my business that year. So it was like, yeah, that's, it's going to be a while. How much do you need to live? You have to kind of look at your finances first where you need what's required. So I can't give you a time frame. You can go, you know, what to the wall and get it done in six months. But will you need to charge $5,000 for an event? Yeah. Do you have the confidence to back that up? I don't know. You could really scale this pedal to the metal, just straight to the floorboard and just go. But then your confidence becomes an issue. Then your experience becomes an issue. Then your ability to sell yourself becomes an issue. So it's probably going to be a while. It's going to be late nights. It's going to be not a smooth and easy transition. How much you need to live, how many events you need to book, and at what rate do you need to sustain that, which is hard. So I wish I had a number for you. I was in a convenient position where like we were a dual income family and I didn't have to have a top earning income because my husband did, which is funny because now the script has slipped and he's a stay-at-home dad. So it's possible. You can get there, but it takes a while. So when do I suggest doing that? When your second job replaces the financial needs of your first job. And you're like, Jamie, that could take years. Yeah. If it's just your income, it's just you, or there's high needs or high expectations for what those funds will do for you, then yeah, it could take a while. You could scale it. The only thing stopping you is your own confidence and your ability to actually do it. But I would be mortified to charge $10,000 for a wedding. Just mortified. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just not something that I would feel comfortable doing. And you could do 10 of them a year, right? 
but can you, can you back that up? Is that something you want to do? Do you want the emotional expectations that come along with that? I don't have a clear answer for you, Elodie, and I wish I did. Um, but hopefully that gives you some, some context. There we go. That's a great idea, Liz, to do another uh, styled shoot for socials. Do that. Make friends, get photos, do pretty things. At least you feel like you're operating in a forward direction, but also you're not committing to more clients. That's a really smart idea. What is the best way to build a network with vendors? What are good questions to ask vendors before recommending them to clients? Mm, yeah, I am a, <laughs> I will ask what their packages are and what their rates are, but I'm, I'm going to sound like a cheese ball. I'm a vibe person. Do I like them? If, if I could pick my coworkers, would I pick this person? So I know what kind of service I want to provide. I know what kind of day I want to provide for my clients. I know what kind of like environment I want it to be. And if there are those that I'm like, yeah, you, you fit the price point and your package looks good, but you're annoying. <laughs> like, or you take forever to get back to me with photos or, you know, like you're not responsive to emails. I don't care for any of this. That's also equally important to me as fitting a budget. So as far as questions are concerned, like, hey, what are your packages? What are your rates? So I know, because I know the general budget range that I work within and I know what will suit people. And then I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, do, but do I like you? Are you fun? Do we have a good time? Do you make my clients feel good? Like if you're a photographer and you get my clients in front of your camera, do they feel happy about it? Like, do you make them shine? Because that shows up in photos. Are you good enough at your job that my clients go, wow, I really like that person. That's what I would do. So as, as cheesy, it sounds like, oh, I go off vibe. No, like genuinely, if you could pick your coworker, would you pick them? So it's more internal questioning than anything. Um, but as long as you know their package rates, generally speaking, it's more of like a perfunctory question to get them on your preferred vendors list. How do you make a sales call more interesting and less listen to my 15 minute pitch? Oh, Jacqueline, I love you. <laughs> when the bride isn't sure what she wants or needs. A lot of calls I've, I've made so far, the brides have questions, which makes it so much more natural. Um, but when they're just jumping into planning and aren't sure what they're interested in, I struggled knowing how to target their needs and sell my services without ranting and losing them. Okay. Active listening, like to, and kind of reverse engineering the conversation. So asking, you should be the one asking questions as much as possible. Feel free to let them open up and ask questions, but you want to control where this conversation is going. I do have a sales call that we've recorded that literally walks you through what my steps look like. And I'm like, okay, so talk to me about your event. When is it? What are we thinking like guest count wise? What, what's okay. Okay. And what's the style? Like what do you, and I'll kind of like listen to what they're saying and repeat it back to them. Okay. So I'm, I'm picking up on some like rustic modern with a touch of boho vibes. Is that right? Yeah. Awesome. Um, what are some things that you're really excited about or your goals from this wedding? Like obviously the marriage, you know, whatever, but like, what are you excited about for this event? Okay. Guests. Okay, cool. That tells me you want your guests, you, you know, your guest experience to be good. Okay. So we'll probably need to be pretty firm on that timeline to make sure you get in front of them and get to hang out with them as soon as possible. Right. And repeating back to them in wedding planner language of here's what you just said. This here's what I could do to help you like support you through that actively listening, repeating it back from a wedding planner's perspective. They're like, I didn't know I said that. You're like, you did, you did. Well, sort of, you sort of said it. And then like, I directed you in this particular direction. Right. <laughs> So listen to that call specific. I don't care if you write down my questions word for word, like copy paste. Let's go with that. If you allow the client to ask some questions, you're probably going to get that type A person who's like, I've got all of my lists right here. And we are just going to, right. We're going to go through them all together. And you're like, that's great. But instead you are the expert position yourself as the expert, ask the right questions and respond the right way. And that you will literally accidentally sell yourself. You will accidentally be like, all right, cool. I just, I told you what I heard from you. And then the person will be like, yeah, how'd you know that? And you're like, cause I listened and I just put a wedding planner lens on it and I repeated it back. 
you'll see that more specifically in that podcast episode. So some things we go over are like, okay, so what are some of your priorities? What does that look like? Do you have decor? I can ask a little bit more specifically what that is. Kind of get a vibe of like, okay, job-wise, what do you do? How excited are you about planning? Does it sound like fun to you? Okay, it sounds like to me, you'd probably fall in this planning package, et cetera. I always end the call by encouraging them to go talk to other people. And they're always like, what? I'm like, go talk to other planners. It's a very personal relationship. Your planner and your photographer and your videographer are going to be lovingly in your face on your wedding day. I really want you to make sure that you are making a choice that feels right for you guys. And you should feel heard um, and you should feel seen and you should feel confident moving forward because that's a lot of money. So like, go talk to other people. And the line I we typically use is something along the lines of this. We're not pushing you into the arms of another planner by any means, but let's be honest, it's a lot of money. And you're going to want to make sure you are really confident with your choice moving forward. And I've said it enough that I can do different iterations on it. And it comes out still very organically where I'm like, no, 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 please, by all means, go fly, pretty bird. <laughs> and then they're like, wait, you're not desperate. You're not running after me. You're not chasing after me. You're just... All right, here's what I heard you say. Great. Moving forward, make, go talk to other people. Make sure you feel heard. I hope it's me. I hope you come back. Like, I, I hope that this is the case. But if nothing, at least, at least hopefully you leave this feeling equipped. You know now what you can say to other planners when you talk to them. That's all we have for this week's episode, guys. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor, screenshot that episode and share it on socials. Tag me in it. I would love to see Wolfer and Co. on Instagram. Let me know if you're enjoying it. You can also let me know if you didn't enjoy it, but I'm probably not going to reshare that one. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>